And I'm Jason Booms. Hi, I'm Justine Barron. Hi, um, I got started in Baltimore issues in 2016, 2017, when I investigated a podcast on Freddie Gray's death um, called Undisclosed and information coming out about his death. Uh, and that led me into um, having a really strong time in particular. I previously had worked in politics and nonprofit as a consultant um, and, and had worked in criminal justice systems since, uh, you know, since I left school. Um, um, different. After the Freddie Gray case, I sort of got the playbook for how the Baltimore Police Department it works to cover it and continued writing. I investigated uh, shot Detective Sean Suter's death over a series um, and, you know, had some unique conclusions there. And um, I files, which is sort of about issues in crime and policing in Baltimore and also media. I do, do a lot of criticism and national media works to write about crime in Baltimore. And um, yeah, and then it's the one who broke the story about um, the Ruvig Naraja's body camera. I published that independently at the same time, long story, but at the same time as The Sun published a softer version where he ended up becoming the story about that. And um, so having to work so incredible, important stories has been hard. Uh, sometimes I can't do it, um, but I think it speaks to sort of uh, our problems with uh, local media. And so there's a lot of us out there working completely independently with no... Um, you know, I, I publish and Fishbowl, like I have published in those sites, but it is very hard to find it handed to me. Um, and I've had to kind of strike out on my own. Um, and that's just in the local press functions to kind of gatekeep information um, to support the powerful. So anyway, sorry, that was a long introduction, but I hope that tells you a little bit about myself. And then um, just in addition, and I have a, I also um, have found myself working more and more as an activist in that field. Um, That's great. Anyway. I do have uh, one quick question for you, Christine. Justine, uh, Justine. Just, oh, did I say, oh my gosh, I'm terrible. Um, I, I was, uh, wanted to ask about uh, what makes uh, Baltimore different? So, you know, I'm, I'm from Michigan originally, uh, uh, you know, obviously Detroit has had declining population, declining industrial base, declining base. Uh, and, uh, but I, I, it seems as though coverage of, uh, uh, policing in Baltimore have a certain life of its own, a certain uniqueness compared to other large cities. Uh, what, what do you think is the cause of that? Or is it something um, that a certain way? I would say, <clears throat> I wouldn't unique. I've worked in a lot of different markets myself, more on the political end. It is different. Um, so I can't speak to it being completely different from other cities. That the uh, level of corruption is so high in the police department. The culture of covering up extended all the way to the top. And in the Freddie Gray case, we saw it extending to the mayor and the state also. Um, and then the, the media coverage has been um, so entirely uh, gatekeeped. I think it's a, I think it's a product of the uh, systemic in, um, injustice because there is no access. There has been historically no access for live in the black ball, uh, butterfly in Baltimore to reporting. So I would say that is, that would be the number one issue. I mean, even when the city paper was around, which was left-leaning corruption, it was white men writing primarily with like one exception. And so, you know, I, I, I grew up in Maryland, but I left and then I came back and I'm an outsider myself, not, a, you know, not a person of color, but say, um, the media and the policing have emerged 
worked from the same segregated culture, hyper segregated in Baltimore um, for so many like very, very deep historical reasons uh, why Maryland is, has such deep, horrible racism in Baltimore in particular. One, it's a long list. It's just uh, the reporting pipeline is not the people that live in the affected communities. And so they, they are the ones who are on a level and not being given a chance to report on it. And then have uh, mainstream reporters that are so scared of power, that don't trust their own eyes and ears, that don't trust channels. So, um, and then, you know, that goes out of its way, something I've written about a lot that way, the Baltimore Sun, especially above all, is the worst actor here to, to um, fuel and limit the independent media. And, and like, I'm using very strong words. I stand here. I don't know if that answers your question. I can't say for sure it's so different everywhere. That's just Baltimore. Very quickly, what do you think will make the greatest difference? I mean, is it is it the rise of independent journalists who are covering uh, certain aspects of it from their own perspective of what's going on in the city, what's going on in the mainstream media? What are some potential solutions to, to uh, dealing with this, these problems? It all yeah. relate back to race and inequality. Uh, in class, but but what do you see as some as some good ways of getting like the more funding for um, independent is um, uh, based on its funding, perhaps required to hire local. Um, that would make the biggest difference. It's like I do this some often for zero pay, some privilege that allows me to do that that I didn't have even five years ago, which is a long story, but like like the Baltimore beat, like Lisa Snowden is a woman of color. She's very in tune, she's very smart. And then she will hire black reporters and that would make uh, an unbelievable difference. You have all of these sites, the brew, the brew does its own thing and it's good, but it's a couple of people. And they, those people also have their own blind spots, like we all do, like I do, you know? That's what makes the difference in cities. Even Miami, where I used to live, they have the Miami New Times. It's, it's diverse, that uh, if it didn't exist, Miami would be like Baltimore in terms of reporting. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that's probably the have to come from the donor class. And the donor class is too self-interested to do that right now, so. No, that uh, that actually makes a lot of sense. I know in, in uh, the UK, for example, Example, there's enough, which is definitely punching above their weight in terms of uh, uh, sort of covering politics from a left perspective, but uh, again, to the best of their ability. Yeah. So it does, it does become much more of a volunteer-based movement. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would say there's probably a lot of cases um, than we're hearing um, because there's no testing and because so much of it is undetectable and are sick already. Um, and so it may be sick and undertreated or so and dying. Um, in terms of public safety, I think now there are alarm bells that a lot of us have been sounding about Baltimore's ideas of safety for a long time now. That, I mean, no time like the present to finally listen to people who know these things, written about this a lot. You know, it's always been public health. It's never been public safety. There are safety issues that the city has never understood that the resources to fight crime to fight always been primarily public health oriented and not public safety oriented. The you solve crime through policing is so ingrained, I find, especially in Maryland, but it's not as I possibly could on this. The fact is that there can be minor dips in crime based on, they tend to be short-term and often they have horrible long-term effects. If you incarcerate 
a lot of people, it's crime will drop. And in the next generation, crime is going to go up because you've locked up fathers. You've left people without support. Um, you're sending people into the criminal justice system and then back out with no ability to work. So that it comes to this with this virus, but now why not? Like now that police officers themselves realize, oh, God, down, I could be exposing myself to the virus. Well, okay, maybe that is finally they will listen the right approach to solving crime in Baltimore. It is, um, and I talk quoted in the New York Times. They get quoted in USA Today. They are the experts because once upon a time, 30 homicides per year, it went down for a little bit of time. And that is considered significant more. In big cities where crime has dropped, it drops by far more than that for a long period of personally and I like some of them you know some of the former police leaders like I know parts but they are not the people that we need to always talk to about crime we should be talking about public health jobs infrastructure and crime and the appropriate response should match that so now if the government doesn't come through with financial solutions I expect looting and crime to go up and that happens you can't say it's because people stop policing it's going to people are going to have to risk so high. Does that make sense? Sorry, I'm, I could, no. I don't talk to a lot of people, so I go on. <laughs> oh, that's fine. I, I do have one <laughs> They're going to be worse, I guess. Uh, not to laugh, it's just, uh, I don't know. I don't know that, um, <clears throat> I don't know that there's like even the, even the intellectual structures prepared for this moment, because you're asking people to now change their thinking about out and whether it should be about supporting us and helping us. I think a lot of people are just struggling because our country is so different from most of, as Bernie Sanders always talks about, like, nobody else pays thousands of dollars a month to even just buy into a healthcare system and then another few thousand and still owing on top of that. So we don't, we don't here in this country, like, aren't even intellectually prepared to regard this problem in the old, which is, Everyone who lives here is like our family. We have to take care of them. You know how they that how it how the system has worked to divest from schools and healthcare support neighborhoods. I, I mean, I'm a little encouraged by seeing like you know I know Erica um, Bridgeford has, has made some squeegee workers to deliver food. I mean, hopefully they're safe, but to me and and so there may be possibly some emergence out of this where people realize that differently now. I just don't know if it's going to be fast and radical enough, if that makes sense. I'm sort of speaking. I apologize for that. Oh, no, that's no, it's fine. This is definitely real implications. I, I didn't want to say tendency of some government agencies to move towards ad hoc or one-off solutions. I, I would, not even so much on coronavirus in and of itself, although this answer might be impacted by what's going on with, with coronavirus right now. But going to the larger question of structural change, we've already talked about that in the field of journalism, what do you see as the ideal solution to to uh, uh, eradicate corruption, or at least for us, that's more responsible to the citizenry? Um, there's a lot of different things that could happen. I could some of them grew up in this or came up in kind of a warfare mentality, but I think a more friendly type of model where they're in the community and really just intervening when they're serious violence. I think um, one of the big issues in Baltimore policing that is different from a lot of cities is, is that based on their number of arrests in Baltimore, they're not evaluated on the quality of those arrests. Bodies has been the way to prove that you should get a promotion, that you know transferred from patrol, which is still somehow has a stigma when it should be really the most proud thing to do. 
into like whatever you want and just roam around the city and do what you want and get rich if you want. So, so um, if the own is really problematic, it has created a natural fissure between the um, police. Um, so it's not just about Mosby or this person or that person. And like, I know cities where they've moved based on arrest to evaluate based on the quality of the arrest, the conviction where cops themselves are now responsible for is has been one thing that can help. Um, the other thing is sort of the state officer. I mean, there's a lot of evidence to support that education or work experience, military experience makes officers less likely to be corrupt and to commit excessive force. There's a lot of things that could picture people want to disband the Baltimore Police Department. I can't say that's necessarily the wrong idea because it needed to be disbanded. But um, at a micro level, there are things that could happen. That and then I think uh, there's this other thing that I've written about, which is some more leaders are, is done by these consulting groups outside of Baltimore. I don't know if you've heard about Perm. So they get, they've been hired by the last few mayors to pick our leaders and double dealing that goes on. And so having, and between them, the consent decree that they bring in for Sean Sudo, there's a lot of like consultants getting rich, um, promoting these models of policing that aren't appropriate to Baltimore. So I think building more ingrained community-based and city agencies rather than constantly hiring these consultants who are, could service brought us zero tolerance, you know? So those are just a few things. I mean, there's plenty more. I don't know. Absolutely, definitely, definitely. Oh, sorry. And, you know, the ones I know the best, I know about through, and the article was, became a story about his behavior to a police officer. I also looked at his record. Um, there's a pattern of corruption there, of withholding evidence, of not following the law. And aside, his crime plan, you know, to round up 150 bodies preemptively before they commit injuries, and, and, and he is looking backwards. He says, this year, I, I was a prosecutor things were better. We don't even need to look backwards. So I know about him. I, I have some knowledge about just in terms of his role, particularly with Sean Souter, with the spy plane. You know, that is the record that we have to point to in terms of leadership, which was providing constant cover for specific lies. I'm, I mean, I'm not speaking abstractly. I can give you the articles, you know. Um, and then, of course, Sheila Dixon has a long history. So, so so we're looking at the histories of participating in double dealing and corruption. So to me, that's to say about who's left. You know, I, I feel like in terms of, I'm not really here to endorse anyone COVID in particular. It seems like, and listen, like Brandon Scott, like he also has a lot of to the past, but his response has seemed appropriate and specific. Um, I don't even know. There are, there. you know, to me, when I think about who could be the mayor of Baltimore, I look at the scene. Unbelievable. I don't know if you've ever gone to any meetings where they've spoken. They know every. They have specific plans to address crime. They understand public health. Like, that's who should be. They already do. Do you see what I mean? I don't even, I don't even know what to say. I'm excited about it. The percentages, whoever wins is going to win with maybe 15% of top. So, yeah. Yeah, I think that, I don't even know. I think we keep playing this game in Baltimore with, like, should it be an insider or an outsider? And I think the answer, like, is leaders on the ground in Baltimore that have been doing it for so long. I, I talk to nonprofit urban neighborhood groups. They're so sharp. You know, they get so much done and had in terms of leadership. It's not long time political person in Baltimore versus neither of those have worked, you know? What do you think about the job Marilyn Mosby's done? 
Well, my specific background is investigating the Freddie Gray case. And, um, and I also have a lot of knowledge about, about the Keith Davis. Those two, I have nothing positive to say. I mean, I know the reality of what went on in the Freddie Gray specific involvement in um, burying witnesses. So um, I, I think job of uh, marketing herself as a progressive um, prosecutor. And I think that there are some people inside of her department that are, um, you know, really problematic. And also executors. I think a lot of what's going on in her office is running on uh, performance fumes to a lot of former prosecutors. Mm-hmm. I would say the corruption is there as much as anywhere. Sorry to say. I'm really sorry to say because I know she is a good politician and she stands for the right things. It's just the something else, unfortunately, from what I know. Like, I won't even speak about what I don't know, you know? Fair point. Come on, we don't know. We do it all the time. <laughs> I keep wanting to not. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, I keep wanting to be able to give different answers about people. I've, I mean, I and people coming out of our office for, you know, five years now. Mm-hmm. I don't have good news, you know, for an advisors that could be different, you know. Mm-hmm. I dissolute that. I think anybody who I know, because we're in so much of a crisis, is on the right track. I don't know what it means that they're going to win. But, you know, Bernie Sanders got gig workers can also apply for unemployment. That's huge. So I think right now. We're in crisis, they win or lose, and actually just try to um, address specific solutions now, one after the other. You know, I don't want to hear platforms. That's me. And I think most people feel that way. Like, if we could start to see actual things, it is getting behind the squeegee kids helping to deliver food, something just that specific, you know? Asking Hopkins to pay the people that they ask to volunteer to make masks, right? Like, Hopkins is asking for volunteers to make masks. Hopkins told us that they needed a private police force to protect, to make the masks. Like, those are the things we need angry leaders who are on the ground fixing problems. You have a few months, get something done. Maybe, you know, <laughs> that makes sense. Do something, call something out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, some of them are tweeting pictures of flowers and being like, stay indoors, you know? Sorry. <laughs> like, okay. I hear you. That was disappointing. Jill, Jill gets stuff done, you know? Everyone is flawed, but she you can point to a very specific rush. And she calls stuff out, you know? She was on, on top of Andre time, calling it out, speaking about it with specifics. So, yeah, you know, like her. Yeah. Actually, surprisingly. <laughs> I hope I didn't over talk this panel. I, I actually am like isolated oh, right, no, and no. I don't get to talk much. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I do, but. You good, Bill? I think. Stop it. Okay. Uh, no, no, I, no. I, I said I'm actually. I'm... Well, it wouldn't be appropriate as the guest for me. No, no, no question. Sorry. <laughs> no, it, it, no, no, it froze. No, no. Having me, this was cool. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Thank you. This was a good thing. I've been leftist media in Baltimore, Absolutely. even if it's not investigative journalists, even if it's just people so that others can realize they're not alone if they want to have those views, you know? Very good idea. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, thank you so much. Thank you, Julie. Well, thank you, Bill. Thank you, guys. <laughs> nice meeting you. <laughs> yeah.